I'm Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a programme about globalisation and the effects that it has had on Ireland and its relationships with other countries around the world over the last 50 years or so. In each programme we interview a person from another country or with strong connections to another country to get their unique perspective on globalisation as it has affected them, their country and its relationship with Ireland. There's a little bit of history, a dash of economics, a sprinkling of business and an overlay of personal experience both for me and for my interviewees from around the world. In recent programmes, we've had guests join us from Croatia, Spain and Mexico. Today, we're going back across the Atlantic to the United States of America and the city of Cleveland on the shores of Lake Erie in the state of Ohio. We'll be talking to Rebecca or Becky Morgan, president of Fulcrum Consulting Works Incorporated, based in the city of Cleveland and focusing on providing operations strategy consultancy to manufacturing companies. The state of Ohio is one that is right in the crosshairs of globalisation. On the one hand, it is home to new and upcoming sectors focused on the digital and green economies, taking advantage of global opportunities and yet it's part of what some refer to as the Rust Belt where older, more traditional manufacturing has lost out to technology and offshoring and I'll be discussing some of these issues and how they're affecting business and politics in Ohio. Becky founded Fulcrum Consulting Works in 1990 and brings her expertise to a wide range of manufacturing clients, having previously spent many years in positions of responsibility as an executive in manufacturing industry herself. Becky and I have met a couple of times in New York City at business consultancy events, and I can say that she's a real no-nonsense, straight-talking business person of the type that loves to get positive results quickly, and I'm really looking forward to talking her to, her to her again today. Welcome, Becky, and thank you very much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Patrick. You're very welcome. So, Becky, you are in Cleveland, Ohio. So could you situate Ohio for us on the map? Where, where is it? How big is it? And what's it like in terms of climate, geographic regions? And what are the main cities and so on? Sure. If you look at the, United, uh, the mainland United States, uh, not including Hawaii and Alaska, uh, and you divide it in about thirds, uh, Cleveland, Ohio is about a third of the way from east to west. Okay. So we're between New York and Chicago. Uh, Ohio is, um, I don't know, size in comparison to anything else. It's an average size state, but I don't know what that means to you. Yeah, <laughs> but, well, I, I actually had to look. It's, it, it's bigger than Ireland, so I think it's okay. about uh, 80,000 square kilometers or something like that, and we're about 70,000, so it's, it's bigger than Ireland. Okay, well, yeah. I know that it takes uh we're in the cleveland is in the northeast right on the shores of lake erie one of the great lakes and cincinnati is at the southwest part of the state and it's a four-hour drive down there and i know it's uh about a four-hour drive across the state yeah as that's, well. about, that's about right yeah yeah that's about right at, yeah those are at the way i drive too so it might be longer <laughs> for other people <laughs> uh, so what's the speed yeah. limit 55 miles per hour is it uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know. Uh, I think that's not it, though. Um, I think it's closer to like 70 or something. Oh, okay. But um, in any case, we have the, the three big cities in Ohio are Cleveland in the north, Columbus in the middle, which is the state capital and where Ohio State University is, the big statewide university system. And then Cincinnati is in the southwest, just north of Kentucky. As a matter of fact, the Cincinnati airport is in Kentucky. So um, we are there. We're north. We are um, way too cold for my liking. Yeah. Uh, yeah I was going to ask you, get, what, what, what is the climate actually like? Cold in winter, warm in summer, is it? Yeah. We get four seasons here. This year, fall was only about a week long. Okay. But we, we normally get four seasons, and it is cold uh, to me 
October through April anyway. And uh, May and um, May is can go either way. And then June, July and August are usually real nice. Okay, okay. And I think you get this effect off the lakes, don't you? Where you get a big dump of snow because of cold air coming off the lakes. I've been in, in Chicago and they were talking about that on the radio. Is that some phenomenon that happens every year? Well, the lake effects, no. Uh, Chicago does not get much of it at all. Okay. We do. They're on the west side of their lake. Okay, and they get it in Buffalo uh, and places like that, don't they? Yeah, and right here. Now, I live right on Lake Erie, so if I need to borrow an egg from my neighbor across the street, I have a 30-mile rowboat trip to get to Canada to get that <laughs> egg. So I am right on Lake Erie, and when the lake is not frozen which is most of the time, uh, it's warmer, you know, so in the fall, I will be here, I'll be five to 10 degrees Fahrenheit warmer than it is a mile inland, okay, just because yeah. of the, the water. water. The water but yeah. when the lake freezes, um, it dumps snow right here. The Most of the snow belt is uh, east of here and a couple miles south because it goes over the lake and then dumps it uh, in the what's called the heights there's cleveland heights shaker heights there's all these areas that are 600 feet higher than the rest of us mm -hmm. and they get it hard you okay. know we may yeah. have an inch of snow and they may have 15 inches yeah okay okay uh so ohio is a state to join the union in 1803 so it's not one of the original 13 uh, colonies that became independent uh from the british back in the day so it was actually the northwestern frontier in those times so how did that territory actually become a state of the united states well um as i'm gonna guess you know we had a lot of europeans come over here sure, and help yeah. us <laughs> settle this vast land and Ohio was originally called um, the Connecticut Western Reserve. Okay. And um, we, the, so there's a lot of things around here, universities, schools, neighborhoods that are called Western Reserve. That's a very common name. But the way all states in this country, other than the original 13, is they got enough people and they applied for statehood and it was granted. So that's the general process. But we needed enough people to get here to, uh, to make that a possibility. Okay, so it would have been, what, was it 15th or 16th? It was quite quite early in, 1803 is really only a few years after. Uh, um, yeah, I don't remember what number we are, mm. but, um, yeah, I would say we were in the first 20. Yeah, you're fairly early, yeah. And it's called a Buckeye State. Why, why, why is it called a Buckeye State? Uh, well, there's a nut tree here called the Buckeye, and to tell you the truth, I'm not sure I've ever seen a Buckeye tree. <laughs> But uh, they're apparently all over the place, and uh, so we're called the Buckeyes. Okay, and you, you know, well, I, I know you you have it as well. Americans always say it to me when I when I'm there. You know that there's a a lack of history that everything's kind of a couple of hundred years old. But Ohio is a little bit of an exception because you've got this thing there called the Great Serpent Mound, which is an ancient monument. What what, what is that, and where whereabouts is it in Ohio? Well, I'm going to admit to you, first and foremost, I have not been to it. It's okay. about three hours south of me, and I'm going to guess that Americans aren't the only ones who don't take advantage of everything nearby. Yeah, it happens uh, here as well. It happens here as well, yeah. Yeah, it's in the southern part of the state. Uh, I've never been there, but I've been to 45 states and about 60 countries, so it's not that I don't go look at anything. I just haven't been to see that. But this country... Uh, while it was new to Europeans uh, in the 1400s, 
there were certainly many native peoples here uh, way before that, various Indian tribes uh, of different kinds. As a matter of fact, on my mother's side, I have some Creek Indian in me, and that side came from Indian territory, so don't know really that much about that family other than it uh there's some creek indian in it because the records simply aren't there to pursue okay but no matter where you go in this country there will be you know we're known for it in the southwest uh and in alaska but you'll find indian uh history just about everywhere in this country okay and ohio now the current political makeup of ohio as regards the state legislature and governorship how is that structured now, and how did the recent midterm elections for the for the House and the Senate turn out in the state of Ohio? Well, uh, not to my liking, but that's probably okay. not your question. <laughs> um, we have uh, Ohio used to be the bellwether state politically. You know, as Ohio went, so went the country in terms of Republican or Democrat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have become in the last four years strongly Republican. So we have a, a Republican governor that we just elected and a heavily Republican, uh, which is conservative, Yeah. Uh, heavy Republican uh, state legislature. There fact, are am, I, am, I, am I right to say that your governor was a Republican presidential nominee uh, and lost out to Donald Trump? Is that right? Uh, yeah, John Kasich is still yeah. our governor, and I think he'll probably run again in 2020. Uh, he's not well known, but he's... Um, He's a Republican, but in most regards, uh, a practical Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so I expect him to run again in 2020. Don't know that he'll be any better uh, in terms of success. We also have a senator that's a Democrat, Sherrod Brown, uh, who there's talk of him running for president in 2020. I don't see that happening, uh, but there's a, a lot of talk, not coming from him, but from mm-hmm. others saying that he should run. Okay. Um, I was talking in the in the preamble about globalization because really the underlying theme of of the program is globalization, and I was saying that um, Ohio is a state that kind of lies at the crosshairs of globalization because on the one hand you've got um, you know new industries growing and uh, becoming successful, such as in, in in the green industry or in the digital industry, and yet Ohio is kind of identified with a with a rust belt where the older traditional industries have maybe lost out to technology or to offshoring and so on. So how's that feeding through into the politics of the state? What's, what's that doing to politics and society and business in Ohio? Well, there's a lot of conversation about jobs here. This was the rest, uh, rust belt. When I moved here the first time, I've moved here twice. When I moved here the first time in 1978, Uh, Steel and automobiles were the big industries, and when you drove downtown, uh, it was hazy and it stunk. (laughs) And as a matter of fact, the Cuyahoga River, uh, Cuyahoga being an Indian name, runs from Lake Erie down through the middle of Cleveland uh, and on south, and it caught on fire. Wow. Uh, and from all the pollution in it. And that was kind of the initiation um, with the country as well as here that we've got to do something about pollution. Uh, steel industries shut down for any number of reasons uh, with international competition being part of that and new steel mills that require a lot less labor and are a lot more efficient being part of that. Uh, automobile industry got hit hard by imports uh, so we've got like there's a big huge Ford engine plant here that's been shut down for several years. So those industries have been hit hard uh, right now with our current um, national agreements and disagreements on trade. 
it's kind of an interesting challenge because we're not quite sure what's going to happen when. You know, there are Twitter announcements, but that doesn't necessarily mean that will be the policy. Sure. So um, things are moving, but there has been some complaints, some unhappiness with NAFTA from the standpoint of a lot of jobs went to Mexico. Um, so there's been disappointment that they've gone to Mexico, but I'm not sure. I'd have to see the numbers to see if there's actually been a net loss yeah. or if it's just the, it's, the less skilled jobs that it's went just, there. Maybe it's just changing. It's just Schumpeter's kind of um, creative destruction. Maybe that's what's going on. Uh, well, there is a lot of that, and uh, I think that's going to continue. When we talk about the future of Ohio, uh, manufacturing will continue to be a big part of it. Right now, there's a lot of small manufacturers, and there have been. There have also been very large ones, but there's a lot of small ones, and they're struggling uh, conceptually and practically with Industry 4.0 and a lot of the technology. And I think a lot of those won't make it uh, simply because they won't be fast enough and agile enough to meet what the world requires. Yeah. But I do think manufacturing will continue to be a very strong force in Ohio. Okay, so Ohio has about 12 million people, so it's kind of seventh in ranking in the in the in the union. It's also the seventh largest economy in the in the union. So it is a it is an economic powerhouse. So as you're touching on there, what what do you see as the main business sectors for the for the future? Where's the economy of Ohio heading in the future? Well, historically, it's been uh, manufacturing and agriculture primarily. Healthcare has become huge. Um, in this country, but all specifically here. The Cleveland Clinic is world-renowned and, and now has a huge facility in the UAE with over 5,000 employees there. A lot of medical research, a lot of biomedical spinoffs, um, absolutely happening. So all kinds of technology and bioscience. Okay. It's quite part, a of the challenge, yeah. it, part of the challenge is that all large cities are trying to become the next Silicon Valley in something else. Yeah. So they're all competing for the same industries. Uh, Cleveland right now has a real push to become a center of blockchain technology. Okay. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Okay. There's quite an overlap in some of the sectors you mentioned there with, with, with Ireland, to be honest, you know, in, in terms of technology, uh, pharma, uh, bioscience, and, and so on. So there may well be good opportunities for business links and exchanges. And there are actually now direct flights from Dublin to, to Cleveland and, and Cincinnati. And I know you've been here in Ireland, although it was probably on a, on a holiday more than a, than a business trip. But do you see, do you see any possibility for um, cooperation or collaboration there for mutual benefit? Uh, I think absolutely there will be. Uh, now, you're kind of not on the good list of, with some people because Eaton, which is a major manufacturing company headquartered here in Cleveland, uh, international industrial company, has moved their legal headquarters to Ireland for okay. tax inversion reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's some of that going on. So Ireland is, uh, in the bad you know, Eaton loves you, but some of the rest of us wish we had the money. Okay. But I do think there's a, I mean, as they say, we speak a common language, and uh, there's a lot of commonality. There's no, uh, there are a lot of Irish in this country, a tremendous Irish influence. So um, I think there's a lot of potential to do that. And we both have strong university presence uh, in technology. Yeah, yeah, and I guess I guess it, it seems to me a place maybe where slightly. Uh, unknown for Irish business people maybe and maybe there are you know some gems in there in terms of uh, tie-ups joint ventures 
um, outsourcing this way and that. You know, there are lots of Irish companies. I believe Irish companies employ hundreds of thousands of uh, Americans as well as the other way around. So, you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of business going both ways. Yeah, and and most of the cities over here, Cleveland has a global trade association. A lot of large cities have those, and their whole focus is to get other countries uh, to come here and meet, and then we send groups over to other countries to learn more about what can happen. And so it it tends to happen with, uh, I'll say, 10 to 20 representatives from an industry going to a country to meet with representatives there. And I, I know that Ireland has been part of those over the years, but I don't know the details. Okay. Then on, on a societal level, so, you know, most of us here would have traveled to the East Coast and the West Coast. So we're very familiar with New York. We're very familiar with L.A. and San Francisco and so on. And when you go there, those places, you know, they, they're a real uh, melting pot. So where would you put Ohio on that on that scale? Is it part of that great melting pot or is it a place where the population, the society is much more uniform in its makeup? Uh, I would tell you that uh, throughout the United States, all large cities uh, are definitely very cosmopolitan, very integrated with many nationalities. Uh, When I first moved to Cleveland in 1978, I worked for a bank and the day I met my secretary, she said, so what are you? (laughs) Uh, That wasn't a question I understood coming from Kansas. Um, And she asked about my nationality, uh, and I didn't know. I told her I was from Kansas. I I didn't know any more than that. But here in Cleveland, nationality is a big deal, uh, and we have every nationality. I mean, you can go to Croatian restaurants here. You can go to Ethiopian restaurants. You can go to um, anything you want to. Uh, All the big cities are like that. Now, uh, most of the countryside is uh, a more uniform and, uh, you know, by definition, they're virtually all from either Africa or Europe originally, but they, uh, not currently, so they tend to be more uniform, more um, conservative, and uh, what we'll call a simpler life. Yeah, okay. And then uh, sports franchises in Ohio, I guess there are there are lots because you've got several big cities. So how have its major franchises been doing in the national leagues, whether you know, hockey, uh, baseball, football, and basketball? Uh, well, in the United States, uh, sports happen at two levels, the professionals and then college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in college, Ohio State is the big university here, and they've been very competitive in football. They're very competitive again this year, uh, and in basketball. Uh, I can tell you, I don't know anything about hockey. Growing up in Kansas, we didn't have ice. Okay. Uh, there is some kind of minor league hockey team here in Cleveland, but I don't know anything about it. Yeah. We have here in Cleveland and in Cincinnati both, Uh, We have professional football and baseball teams, and here we also have a professional basketball team where LeBron James recently left us for L.A., so it's a sad year. But we've been very competitive, except in football, where our Browns have not done very well for about 30 years. Okay, so what's your favorite of, of of the four sports? Well, uh, college basketball is my favorite sport, but it's uh, college basketball is not very good here in Cleveland, so I have season tickets to the Cavaliers, our uh, NBA pro basketball team. And uh, let's just say this year attendance is considerably down with LeBron gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's understandable. Um, so you yourself, you have a consultancy business uh, based in Cleveland. So what kind of services do you provide to your clients and uh, what kind of business sectors do you focus on? 
I'm an operations strategist. Uh, I work with leaders of mid-sized manufacturing companies, uh, and I define that as about 100 million U.S. to a billion U.S. I work privately held most of the time, closely held, family held, simply because I don't like corporate structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but believe me, there are corporations that are that behave entrepreneurially. Uh, Moen has been a client of mine over the years, the Fawcett people. Yep. And they behave very entrepreneurially. And then I have seen privately held businesses that make the government look efficient. So uh, for me, it's um, the ownership structure is secondary to how they actually behave. But I just love manufacturing. I could do what I do in any number of industries, but I love manufacturing. I love manufacturers. So that's where I get to play. Great, great. I know that you you, you, you will have, um, you probably do remember, um, I gave this uh, talk in, in New York last year about internationalizing. And I was perhaps slightly critical of uh, American business in the sense that only 1% of American corporations actually actually do any exporting. Um, so in your experience of these mid-sized family-owned companies, are they very much focused on the home market or are they beginning to look further afield? Well, the, the big distinction is I have moved from consulting with small companies like under 100 million up to the larger ones. The small ones just do not have uh, sufficient vision and I mean that in terms of what their business could be as well as how to sell internationally. Now, there are certainly exceptions to that. Uh, more and more small ones are looking at international markets, but um, the ones that are $100 million and above, um, they almost all export if it's financially reasonable to do so. And I guess they look first to Canada and Mexico and then further, further afield. I guess that would be the natural progression, would it not? Yeah, they do look to Canada first um, for exporting. We, uh, again, a lot of our exports depend on uh, having a a fairly upscale uh, level of income. So we would go to Canada first. We go to England. We go to Europe. Yeah. uh, um, And compete there. Now, we export to other countries, but a lot of the exports to Mexico, for example, are parts that we make here to send there where they do final assembly then it comes back again yeah and then it comes back again okay uh, i was astonished to find so i was going to ask you uh tell me some famous oh uh and people but the, but there are so many so i'm not going to ask you to tell me some ohioan people tell me who are your favorites i mean there's so many of them well uh there are some of the most influential the people who've been to new york city have probably seen rockefeller center yeah uh, and are familiar with it the rockefellers were from cleveland uh, and the Rockefellers founded Standard Oil, um, which has since been acquired and become uh, British Petroleum, and I think that's still who owns them. I'm not sure. But one of the richest families ever. Uh, and Bob Hope, who is a comedian mm-hmm. um, that I think most people uh, have heard of, was born in Cleveland. And um, then we have John Glenn was the first guy who went in uh, to space and um, orbited the Earth. Yeah. And he is somebody that Ohio is very proud of. So there are a lot of things with his name on him. Okay. And so some of the others, I was doing a little bit of research and I found Neil Armstrong, another astronaut. Um, right. William Jennings Bryant, who was like a, a former day Donald Trump. <laughs> General, yeah. General George Custer, uh, Doris Day, Clark Gable, Paul Newman, Jack Nicholas, Steven Spielberg. Amazing. And lots and lots of uh, former um, uh, presidents going back in history. Yeah, we've got seven presidents from Ohio. Uh, and so there are, just on the east side of Cleveland in a suburb, there is a, a Garfield 
um, presidential library and museum, and Garfield is buried here in Cleveland in a cemetery, uh, and there are Rockefellers and other very wealthy people buried there as well. Cleveland, when it first started out, was extremely wealthy, and there was millionaires' row houses along um, most of which have been torn down, but some of which are still there. Yeah. Given these um, new airlinks we have now direct into Cleveland and Cincinnati out of out of Dublin, um, I guess we're going to be having you know people visiting on business and tourism and so on. So what, what would you advise Irish visitors uh, to do to see and what to eat in, in, in Ohio when they visit those cities? Well, I um, the cities are all three fabulous places to go. They're all very um, culturally adept. And by that, I mean, you can get any kind of food in any of them. I think American food is kind of like the hamburger or the steak. Um, And you can get fairly good ones here. Although as a Kansan, um, I suggest you eat Kansas beef. (laughs) But um, there's all, you can get any kind of food. Uh, Cleveland particularly has got a lot of uh, Eastern European restaurants, etc., in terms of things to see and do, uh, the Cleveland Orchestra is one of the best in the world. The Museum of Art here is identified as the second best museum in the United States. Uh, we have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for people who enjoy that. There's lots of live music here. There's lots of parks. Uh, there's Cedar Point, which is a big amusement park with um, roller coasters. It's about an hour and a half west of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati also has a huge uh, amusement park if you like those kinds of things. Uh, craft beer is a big deal here. Now, I don't know that uh, the Irish would be willing to drink our craft beer, but there's... <laughs> we'll, drink, we'll drink any beer. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's good. I thought you were uh, particular. <laughs> So there's that. And then I'm a university person. Wherever I go, I I go see university campuses because I just am fascinated by them. And uh, Cincinnati, Cleveland and Columbus all have major universities in place. And so they're they're fun to visit. They tend to be around uh, museums and other areas like that. So it, it makes for an easy day. Great. So I'm, I'm beginning to think that Cleveland is a, is an undiscovered gem uh, for us. So, so don't be surprised if I turn up there one of these fine days. Um, oh, we would love to see you. That'd be great. Uh, I was also surprised to discover that there's over 100 wineries in Ohio. That really surprised me. And you've been growing wine there since the 1820s. So what can you tell me about Ohio, Ohio uh, wine? Do you have any recommendations? I can tell you I know nothing about wine. Uh, I I don't know a Chardonnay from a Cabernet. But what I can tell you is that there are lots of wineries here. They're all very small, most of them uh, along the lake, but inland a little bit. And they, uh, I have friends who go to the wineries to spend a Friday or Saturday night. You can certainly buy the wines, but I'm more of a craft beer person myself. So I can't specify any Ohio wines that are great. But if you come to Ohio, I encourage you to visit the wineries and those of you with taste buds, um, decide which one you like best. Great, great. Well, it's been a, it's been a pleasure, um, Becky, talking to you today. So maybe maybe just to finish, for you maybe to let people know where they can find out more about you, more about your business. I believe you have uh, an e-book that's uh, on your website, also a newsletter that people can sign up to. Do you want to give us a few details about where people can find out more? Sure. My website is Fulcrum. CWI.com. That's F U L C R U M C W I.com. And from there, you'll have uh, access to videos, podcasts. I've written hundreds of published articles. 
I have a book available through Amazon and also an ebook uh, newsletter sign up, as you said. So there's lots of free content out there. And I would encourage all your manufacturing folks to go out there and take advantage of everything that's available. That's brilliant. Many, many thanks. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, I hope we're going to meet again soon, if not in New York, maybe in Cleveland. Thanks again. Thank you very, very much, Becky. Thank you, Patrick. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye.